So there was once a stone cutter who was dissatisfied with himself and his position in life. One day he passed a wealthy merchant's house and through the open gateway saw many fine possessions and important visitors. How powerful that merchant must be, thought the stonecutter. He became very envious and wished that he could be like the merchant. Then he would no longer have to live the life of a mere stonecutter. To his great surprise, he suddenly became the merchant, enjoying more luxuries and power than he'd ever dreamed of, envied and detested by those less wealthy than himself. But soon, a high official passed by, carried in a sedan chair. Accompanied by attendants and escorted by soldiers, beating gongs. Everyone, no matter how wealthy, had to bow low before the procession. How powerful that official is, he thought. I wish I could be that high official. Then he became the high official, carried everywhere in his embroidered sedan chair, feared and hated by the people all around who had to bow down to him as he passed. It was a hot summer day, and the official felt very uncomfortable in the sticky sedan chair. He looked up at the sun. It shone brightly in the sky, unaffected by his presence. How powerful the sun is, he thought, I wish I could be the sun. Then he became the sun, shining fiercely down on everyone, scorching the fields, cursed by farmers and laborers. But then a huge black cloud moved between him and the earth so that his light could no longer shine on everything below. How powerful that storm cloud is, he thought. I wish I could be that cloud. Then he became the cloud, flooding the fields and villages, shouted at by everyone. But soon he found that he was being pushed away by some great force and realized that it was the wind. Ah, how powerful the wind is, he thought. I wish I could be the wind. Then he became the wind, blowing tiles off roofs, uprooting trees, hated and feared by all below him. But after a while, he ran up against something that would not move, no matter how forcefully he blew against it. A huge, towering stone. How powerful that stone is, I wish... I could be a stone. Then he became the stone, more powerful than anything else on earth. But as he stood there, he heard the sound of a hammer pounding a chisel into the solid rock. And he felt himself being changed. What could be more powerful than I, the stone, he thought? He looked down and saw far below him a figure of the stonecutter. 
So this classical Chinese folktale is a favorite of mine. It resonates because I carry that nasty beast of envy around with me far too often. Thank goodness the story has humor, lightening the load. And also like the editor, Cy Safransky, in our reading, I burn up far too much ineffective energy in a lifelong habit of trying to improve myself. Don't misunderstand me. I think self-examination and constant adjustments are critical to a healthy life. And it is our communal task as a church to better ourselves in order to participate thoughtfully and compassionately in transforming our world. But never being satisfied is draining and destructive. Another way to interpret the stonecutter story is to see it as a tale of blindness to opportunities at hand. The stonecutter forces change rather than relying on the inevitability of change. Change is part of each moment. Our task is to be aware of this potential and work gently with it. By gently, I mean valuing rates of change, creating a compassionate calculus for change instead of setting hard and fast resolutions that can easily be broken. Every year as the old year dies away and a new one begins, we have opportunities to be mindful of the threshold. We can take time to reflect on the past year, to remember what it held for us, good and bad. So as we say goodbye to the old year, we can't help but look forward to the future with our hopes for what it might bring and what we might experience in the new year. Rather than resolutions, which can fail by their nature, I propose we make New Year's intentions. A resolution has an either-or quality. I will quit smoking. I will exercise every day. I will lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds. I will save $300 each month. I will save $1,000 each month. I will save a dollar. Whatever your vow, if you do not achieve it, a resolution leaves no room for acknowledging small successes. A resolution tends to be an all-or-nothing effort which is why so many are left in the dust by January 15th, January 2nd, January 1st. On the other hand, an intention is about percentages. If you want to quit smoking each day, and each day you act on your intention, that's a success. If by January 15th you've had fewer cigarettes, or had more smoke-free days, then you're acting on your intention. Your resolution may be broken, but your intention is intact. A compassionate calculus allows you to see you've had 30% or 40% or 80% fewer smokes. That's worth celebrating. You're working gently toward new behaviors with intentions.
Because marking the new year calls us to be mindful of our lives and how we're living, let us take this opportunity this morning to end this old year with attentive remembering. Then let us begin this new year by taking a moment to plant seeds of intentional hope for the future. So, with the stone cutter in mind, let's make sure everyone has a stone for the service. Everyone have one? Anyone need one? Raise your hand. I have a bowl too. Anybody else need one? Anyone else want to swap out their stone like, hmm, not the stone I had in mind. (laughs) Funny what matters. So we're going to let this stone represent various things to us as we think about this passing of the year. First and foremost, allow the stone to stand for love and kindness towards ourselves and all others. Next, I have a series of New Year meditations on this stone from colleague Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, who's the minister at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Phoenix. So let's take a moment to reflect on the stones we hold in our hands. There are smooth stones, maybe rough, polished through the years by the flow of rushing water. They're hard in our hands, sturdy, yet we know they're malleable. They've been shaped by the past, formed by heat and water, the passing of time and the conditions of the environment around them. If these stones could speak, they would tell us of change. It's not different with us. Who we are, where we are, what we value, what we love has been shaped by the past, by our experiences in life. Even what we believe about ourselves or God or the nature of reality has been shaped by how we've experienced life. This varies among us, just as each of these stones vary from others. And when we tell our stories, we speak of these differences of change, of the events that shaped and formed us. Like these stones, we are strong, and yet we're also malleable, changed, and shaped by life. To begin this time of reflection, I invite you to take a moment and look back across this past year. What were the highlights for what Were you most grateful? What were your triumphs? What brought you the most joy? What went smoothly or brought polish to your life? I've asked Chris to give us some music so that we can spend a minute thinking about what went smoothly and brought us joy.
So look again at the stones. Despite their polished look, there are rough places, small scratches and cracks, signs of trauma, perhaps of being formed underneath a heavy burden. Jill Beth Sweeney Schultes writes, We are fragile. We are not broken. We are imperfect. We are not flawed. We are vulnerable. We are not weak. We are of this earth, and yet the divine lives in us. When I feel I'm going to break, I am the most human when I embrace my fragility I let you into my imperfect world. We are fragile. We are not broken. We are imperfect. We are not flawed. What I appreciate most about the distinction Schultes draws in the beginning of her poem, Fragility, Divinity, is that the adjectives fragile and imperfect convey a sense of fluidity that as human beings we're able to change and be changed by what is around us. In contrast, broken and flawed imply a more permanent state. We are fragile. We can break a bone, but it heals. A mark may remain, but we find we can use our arm and leg again. Even when we face illness or disability that cannot be healed, it does not mean that we're broken does not mean that we cannot experience wholeness and joy in our lives. We are fragile. Our hearts can be broken. And while a bruise may remain, in time, we learn that we discover we are capable of love again. The stones we hold are imperfect. They've been shaped and cut by water and heat and other stones but not broken. In the same way, their rough places are not permanent flaws. If left in the rivers where they were found, slowly the shifts of time and the rush of water would smooth the rough places. Held in our hands, they seem frozen and unchanging. In our brief understanding of time, as we measure it in human lives, But for these stones, as for us, time will bring more change, smoothing over existing scratches, even while creating others. Our regrets, our mistakes, our imperfections do not render us flawed in a permanent state of brokenness. At our center, we are whole, yet fragile. We are capable of mistakes, yet reaching for something brighter. We say the wrong thing, act too quickly, respond too harshly, misunderstand. But we can also grow. We can learn, and most importantly, we can say we are sorry and offer forgiveness. We are of this earth, and yet the divine lives in us. So as we look upon this crevasses and the scratches, let us take a moment of silence to look back on the biggest challenges of the past year, the losses, 
the loved ones who left us this year. In this past year, what, where did you struggle? With what did you struggle? Where did you stumble? Do you carry regrets or sorrows? Let us take a moment to remember these, the challenges of this year. When we look back over the year at the struggles and mistakes, we begin to see all the times we persevered. We've all made it to this day and this place in time intact. We have skills and strengths we can call on in the coming year because we've developed them and honed them in the past. In her poem, Healing Time, Pesha Gertler writes, Finally, on my way to yes, I bump into all the places where I said no to my life, all the untended wounds, the purple and red scars, those hieroglyphs of pain carved into my skin, my bones, those coded messages that send me down the wrong street again and again where I find them, the old wounds, the old misdirections. And I lift them one by one close to my heart and I say, holy, holy. We look back to see the rough places so that they will not continue to lead us down the same wrong streets they have in the past. We hold them up close to our hearts to say, holy, holy. Now we look into that same past to name all the ways we finally said yes. Let's take time to remind ourselves of the strength we showed, the wisdom we gained, the support we found from loved ones that helped us through. As we look upon our stones, notice their solidity, Notice their resiliency as we take another moment in silence to look back on the successes and the gains and the maturing. Where did different steps lead down a different, more healthy or loving path?
The stone is our time travel. So we've looked at the past. Let's use it to look into the future. Mindful of what brought us the most joy. Mindful of the lessons of strength and courage we've gained. What hopes, what dreams, what intentions do you want to bring with you into the new year? There's a phrase from the book of Proverbs. Without a vision, the people perish. Maybe you hold in your heart for the future a great vision of big changes, of life changes. Maybe you hold a vision for opportunity, for calling, for clarity, or direction. Maybe your vision is a hope that things around you will change for the better, that circumstances in your life or in our world will improve for the better. Maybe you hold in your heart a vision of great justice and peace growing in the world. Maybe you hold in your heart a simple vision of peace in your own heart, a vision of continuing hope despite trials, a vision of moments of quiet. Whether big or small, worldly or personal, let us take this last moment of silence to lift up the visions and intentions we have in our hearts for this coming year. The poet Norma Cordell says, I've come to the well having forgotten my water jar. I have for a moment forgotten my self-righteousness and my pride. I've not only left my jar, but everything that has burdened me. I've climbed to the place high above my worldly life. I've come home to the ancient stones that hold within the precious life-giving water. I open to my heart's prayers that rise unencumbered to the open skies. I come thirsty, joyfully ready for the sweet, pure spring. I sing a song unfinished. May these stones, which you can take home with you, be a reminder of the precious life-giving water. May they serve as a prompt to place loving kindness at the core of each moment of the new year. In their roughness and imperfections, may they represent the reality of change and your own fragility. May they symbolize your existing strength and courage. But most importantly, may they be a reminder of the sturdy power of intentions, of the hopes and dreams that you bring to this new year. Blessing to you on this new year. So this is our last time to 
collect our plate that goes to Youth Services of Tulsa. Please 